0: Another Godcast from Whosoever, an online magazine for gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender Christians. I'm Candace Chalou hodge the founder and editor of Whosoever. Thanks for joining us. Coming up on this Godcast, we'll talk with Ann Craig, the new Religion, Faith, and Values Program Director for GLAAD, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. And we'll also talk with Christine Baki, one of the organizers of the upcoming x gay Survivors Conference in Irvine, California. She'll tell us why ex-gay ministries are a powerful draw for many gays and lesbians. Also, we'll take a meditation moment, and we'll wrap it up with some holy humor. Exodus International, an organization that tries to convince gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender people that they need to change, will hold its annual conference in Irvine, California on June 26th through July 1st. In response, three organizations, Soulforce, BeyondXGay.com, and the LGBT Resource Center at the University of California, Irvine, have organized a counter-conference at the university for ex-gay survivors from June 29th through July 1st. One of the conference organizers is Christine Baki, a co-founder of BeyondXGay.com. She says it's important for the conference to counter the exodus message.
1: Well, we thought it was important just to show that there's an alternative. Um, what happened when I was in the ex-gay movement, and I know for many other people, is that being gay, being out, is considered, you know, it's just this horrible lifestyle. Oh, your only choice, basically, is to live you know, rightly, and to be Christian, or you can go out there and do the bars and do all these different things and, you know, who knows, become a drunk, disease drunk or something. Um, And so we felt it was important to say, no, there are other options for you. And also just to, you know, put the question out there. Is change really what's needed? You know, the kind of change that Exodus is talking about. Um, where they say change is possible with regards to sexual orientation. Um, we just want to put it out there. First of all, why is this necessary? Um, those of us here haven't found it successful, and we would like to counter that, that it's needed. And just to give people an opportunity to see that some of the damage that's done and, and hear some of our stories. Now, you said something about Christianity in that answer. Um, is this for... Christians or not? It's for anyone. Obviously, because of most people's ex-gay experiences have been with uh, type of Christianity, um, there will, I'm sure, be quite a bit of conversation about how Christianity has played a role in this. Um, but we also know that there are many, many people who no longer identify as Christian. Um, some of the direct result of the experiences and some just because that's not where they're at at this point. And... We, we also know that there are ex-gay survivors um, from Jonah Program, which is the, uh, the ex-gay program for Jews, and there's also um, people, the Mormons, that have Evergreen, and they have different ex-gay programs and different things. So we've got people coming from that, and... You know, then there's other people that have just tried on their own or people who've now transitioned into other religions. And so we want to be welcoming to everybody. So it won't be a Christian-focused conference. There won't be a lot, you know, Christian worship and things like that. Um, But obviously we will be discussing it, and we want the conference to be a very friendly place for gay and lesbian Christians. Um, The GLBT Christian community is a place to connect with each other and meet other like-minded people, but it's definitely not exclusively Christian. Well, tell us a little bit about the programming. What will participants do and, and see and hear? We're so excited about this conference because we are envisioning something really different from us conferences. Um, usually, you go to a conference and you sit, mm-hmm. <laughs> you listen, and you listen and you sit and you take notes. And um, I know this is how a lot of the Exodus conferences. This is how a lot of conferences that I've gone to. Are like and for many of us after having been through all of this for so many years we feel tired of being talked at like we haven't been listened to or able to express what our journeys have been so we're trying to make this as interactive as possible so we aren't going to have keynote speakers we have really wonderful workshop leaders but they're going to try to make the workshops as interactive as possible so people can participate as much or as little as they want to Um, There will be different workshops for people who are allies and supporters, mental health professionals that don't have ex-gay experiences but want to learn more about it, want to learn how to support people, want to learn how to lovingly confront the damaging consequences of the ex-gay movement. And then we'll also have, of course, all the workshops for ex-gay survivors so that people can we could talk about how to tell our stories, kind of process and unpack what's, what those stories are, um, look at ways of moving beyond our experiences, healing from them. And, and then it's just going to be fun, too, because we're going to have uh, Jason DeMarco in concert one night. And mm-hmm. Peterson's going to perform his doing time in the Homo Nomo Halfway House. And Which is great. It's I know. So so we're going to have a small film forum um, showing little bits of films, some of them never-before-seen, some will have never-before-seen footage. Uh, That's going to be a part of the Jason and DeMarco concert that whole night as well. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be, it's just going to be, we we just think it's going to be a great conference. So how did
0: this idea come together to to do this conference, and especially as a counter-conference to
1: Exodus? I started, I talked to Jeff real briefly last year. Jeff Lutz? Yeah, Jeff Lutz, the Executive Director of Soulforce. Um, he was here when they had an action at focused on the family. I live in Denver, so mm-hmm. I just drove down to Colorado Springs for that. And, you know, we talked a little bit about it. And then he and Peterson really spent a lot of time talking about all of these issues and what's the best way to address the issue of the ex-gay movement and what's really needed. And we felt like what's really needed that hasn't been out there is resources for ex-gay survivors. This was also at the same time when Peterson and I were putting together our Beyond Ex-Gay website, the beyondxgay.com, and that was also the same reason behind that. There are a lot of resources out there that are explaining why the ex-gay movement can be harmful. There's watchdog groups, but there hasn't really been anything for the survivor or information for people who want to really understand it better. Right. So tell me more about beyondxgay.com. What can people find there? We're collecting narratives, so people's stories. We're really trying to get a lot of diverse stories. So we have some stories of um, people who've been married Mm -hmm. to former ex-gays. We have all kinds of stories. And we have poetry page, which we're trying to solicit more poetry and art and Some of it really, people have really connected with their ex-gay experience, and we'd love to have more of that. Have you gotten any feedback or any reactions, um, both positive and or negative? Um, You know, the majority of the responses we've gotten have been very positive. Uh, We actually worked very hard to create a certain tone for the site Mm -hmm. that wasn't um, combative against the ex-gay movement. And we're not trying to say you know, look, this absolutely doesn't work for anybody and you're horrible if you're trying to be ex-gay. We're just not about that at all. Uh, We just want to explore our stories and what other people have done to move through this. And um, so there's just a lot of resources. And in the future, what we're actually really excited about pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out um, a profile feature where people can write their own narratives up and choose different parts to be public or not. Oh, and cool. yeah, and then the other thing we're kind of doing is is we're sort of wanting to get some feedback from people, what kind of ministries they went to, how much money they spent, how many years they spent, because there's nowhere out there that's really been getting this data
0: at all. Well I know it's hard to, to condense things down in a in a in a short interview, but but tell us some a little bit of your story.
1: Sure. I moved to Denver in nineteen ninety eight to become ex-gay. I had already been out for about four years, and I, as I was trying to find a way to come back to my own sense of spirituality, I ended up talking to several ex-gays online. And after talking to them, and, you know, I was given a lot of hope and a lot of talk about all of this stuff, and I started looking at these different websites and um, and thought, oh well, I need to do this. You know, I, I fit some of these things that Exodus says. You know, are the reasons reasons you could be gay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I better go look into this. So I actually moved to Denver to attend an Exodus program, and um, I spent about over four years doing the Exodus Ministry, Living Waters. I had um, quite a bit of deliverance work, so you know, casting out of various demons and. Wow. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and counseling. I had a lot, a lot of reparative therapy counseling. Mm -hmm. After over four years of this, at one point I just broke down and I finally said, this isn't working. There was actually for a little bit of time that I thought it was actually working. Yeah. And I was so excited. I was like, ooh, who should I marry? (laughs) And then I realized that wasn't what was really there, Mm -hmm. that really my orientation had not changed. And that I was just very much trying to control myself, control my behavior, control everything. And I was really, I was pretty miserable. I was having a really rough time. So I finally stepped back from it and ended up getting involved in um, a gay Christian site online and have just been kind of moving out of that ever since. As somebody,
0: because this is, this is a foreign experience to me. I, I never went through mm-hmm. a, an ex-gay ministry. Um, what, is the, what is the powerful draw
1: that, that makes people go to these ministries? I think that for many of us, there are a lot of issues that the ex-gay movement packages up and calls gay. Hmm. So there's people with sexual addiction issues people with unresolved sexual abuse, um, different things like that, just different relational issues. And it's all sort of packaged as, well, this is what it is if you're gay. And I think for those of us that experience, have experienced some of those things, it's very easy to get caught up in that and to say, well, yeah, I, I, I did have this problem with my dad, so that makes sense, and I'll go talk about it. And I mean, and honestly, the bottom line, it's homophobia. Yeah. It's wanting to be loved. It's wanting to be accepted. It's wanting to be a part of a faith community. Most, You know, so many people think that they have a choice. They can either be gay or they can be Christian or spiritual.
2: Right.
1: And so that's kind of what drives it as a whole. But then for the individual, it's um, it, there's just a real draw, and I think for many of us, we have been used to, especially those coming from really evangelical or fundamentalist backgrounds, mm-hmm. um, we've been used to doing stuff like that and submitting to things like that. And we just, there we go again. <laughs>
0: Well, when I hear people's coming out stories, you know, when when you talk to lots of gays and lesbians and you hear their stories, there always seems to be some sort of common thread, you know, that I always felt different or I always felt this way or that. Mm -hmm. Um, For people coming out of ex-gay ministries, is there a commonality? Is there something that just seemed to to click with with each person or is each experience different?
1: I think what I hear a lot of is that people finally at some point look around or something happens, like the John Polk incident where he's caught in a gay bar. And mm-hmm. He's the former um, head of the, I want to say, what is it, the gender department or homosexuality <laughs> <department> or <laughs> something, something. like that. Some yeah. And that's part of my story. Is, you know, I heard that, and it just kept triggering all these doubts. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, what it is, is they just, cra- just kind of crash and say, this has not worked. Mm-hmm. You know, you can live and live and live in sort of the state of thinking it's worked or redirecting all of your energies to a different point. And many people just sort of wake up one day and go, I I can't do this another day.
0: For people like me who haven't been through XK Ministries, what would we get out of this sort of conference?
1: I think that that people need to have a basic understanding of what this really is and what it's not and how they can support somebody going through it. A lot of people don't really know what ex-gay ministries are or do. Many assume that they're camps. You know, mm-hmm. we get that a lot from media. Well, I want to talk to somebody who's been in a camp. <laughs> you know, <and laughs> like a concentration camp. Or something. Yeah, exactly. And that's like, you know, I don't know, not very many people. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And I mean, there's some people who have been in... Uh, like Love in Action or other live-in programs that probably seem like concentration camps mm-hmm. to them, but it is fairly rare. And so we're trying to give people a little bit of history of the X gay movement um, because a lot of people don't have a lot of sense of where this all came from and, and there's so much misinformation out there. So we want to give people a little sense of where this came from, what the experiences are like, um, and also help people be able to support those of us who had XK experiences. Mm -hmm. Because as an XK survivor, what we often find is that when you try to tell somebody about this, we get these crazy responses, especially from the gay community. Uh I mean, I'll tell somebody who's straight all the stuff that I've been through and they're like, wow, good for you for doing that and getting out of that and, you know, that's great. And I tell somebody from the gay community, I'll get that. Oh, my gosh, why would you have done that to yourself? That's horrible. (laughs) I can't even believe you let those wacko people tell you what to think. Right. You know, things like that. (laughs) Wow, not helpful. Yeah, not supportive. (laughs) No, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) So part of it is we just want to help people learn how to become better allies and better supporters. And we also need other people to be able to articulate this well, so that they can speak out on our behalf.
0: Registration for the conference is $40, but no one will be turned away for lack of funds. The conference will be held at the University of California, Irvine, June 29th through July 1st. If you want more information on registration, visit soulforce.org or beyondxgay.com slash conference. Mm-hmm. GLAAD, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, is the latest national GOBT organization to get religion. You'll remember that the Human Rights Campaign hired Harry Knox a couple of years ago to head their Faith and Values program. Now GLAAD has added that position as well and has hired Ann Craig to head the program. Craig has excellent credentials for the job, serving in the past on the United Methodist Board of Global Ministries Women's Division, where she provided national leadership in training and inspirational events and advocated for social justice. Craig also served as a founding board member of the World Day of Prayer USA Committee. There she provided leadership for the cooperative effort to produce resources for nationwide use in an ecumenical prayer service focusing on the HIV-AIDS crisis in South Africa. Craig recently talked with whosoever and told us it was important to her to take this new position with GLAD.
2: I have been a longtime advocate around LGBT issues. Um, it's been one of my passions for many decades now. Um, sexuality is a powerful issue, and it brings up a lot of questions in, in many of many young people, and I was one of them. And this became a concern, and I just went for it, uh, as, what is the Church doing about this? What, what is my sexuality, and where do, I, where do I go with questions about sexuality? Mm-hmm. And um, the, the Church, I think in some ways in the, in the 70s, was at, ahead of where we are now in terms of educating young people around sexual issues. I remember being part of a, a sex education program uh, for leaders in mid-70s, and then the program disappeared. Hmm. Um, so I continued to be interested in all of this and uh, worked hard in Virginia to found several uh, local LGBT groups. Um, and friendly groups with um, I was all over the place I was with the Roman Catholics the Episcopal Church and uh, the United Methodist Church we had an affirmation group uh, a an integrity group and um a dignity group, and they were founded sort of in the reverse order with, with a whole group of people, various groups of people. And I was working in campus ministry at the time, mm-hmm. and the church I was involved with was Pace Memorial United Methodist Church in Richmond, Virginia, and they had a secular group that met in their church. Called Gay Awareness and Perspective. So I was learning a lot, and uh, my two-year volunteer, volunteer work um, with a stipend as united methodist young person was very informative and i really had a great time and got a lot done
0: well tell me a little bit about your job that you're doing now what are you doing for glad what uh what is this job
2: i have uh the title of director of religion faith and values for glad gay lesbian alliance against defamation and it is Taking shape now, GLAD has been committed to working with faith communities and uh, LGBT uh, groups within denominations, and has already been doing media training and networking. And um, decided that it was time to dedicate a full-time position to it, mm-hmm. and they are making it an additional pillar in the. Strategic plan uh, with three previous pillars, and now there's a fourth. Mm-hmm. And so the the board and the and the leadership in GLAD is very committed to this, and have demonstrated that even before I got here. So it's taking shape. It will continue to involve training, and it will involve networking uh, to an even more uh, larger degree. Mm-hmm. I am thinking about creating uh, more support for the constellation of LGBT groups and supportive groups within various denominations to provide some of the media backing and strategic planning that may be necessary when a crisis comes up. So it's going to be actually uh, multilayered. One is Increasing the voice and expanding the voice of LGBT denominational and religious people. It's not just Christian, mm-hmm. but that's my background, so I tend to uh, to relate there just because I know more of the people there. Right. Uh, and I'm expanding my own horizons in that department. Then um, monitoring for defamatory material, mm-hmm. and that's I'm thinking about networking w- with even theological librarians to see if they have any ideas about how the, how to best Manage the kind of plethora of religious material, uh, and that's just print that mm-hmm. I'm thinking about. There, then yes. there's of course the media, the radio and TV, with uh, which is huge. Mm-hmm. So that's taking shape and uh, creating a climate of acceptance. Right. And my sense is that there is a great deal of acceptance that's already in existence within the religious communities. Most religious communities have been working on this issue for thirty years, right? So people have done homework, some have dug in their heels, mm-hmm. some have dug into the books, um, and into their own realities. So there are a lot of dynamics there that have uh, some good groundwork that have been, has been done and a lot of good possibilities for the future.
0: So why is it important for uh, GOBT national organizations like GLAAD um, to include religion as part of one of their pillars?
2: It's it's important for GLAAD to be involved in uh, religion, because religion has been used to oppress lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people. Mm-hmm. It's well, pretty simple.
0: Ten years ago when I founded Whosoever, I actually lobbied HRC to, to do what HRC has done now and, and what GLAD is doing now, right. and include religion in their, in their missions, um, and was basically laughed at. You know, ten years ago, you know, it wasn't even a question, no, we're not going to include religion because religion is bad. Why do you think now um, these national organizations are finally waking up? Is it the values voter idea that, the, of the last couple of elections?
2: I think it's a combination of things. I think that's an element uh, that religion is so much more um, on the tip of everybody's tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have, the ongoing decades of churches struggling with uh issues of inclusion and you have some churches on the cutting edge uh Gene Robinson being ordained uh archbishop as an open openly gay man is tremendous so the, it's in the news yeah um, it's going in a lot of different directions and i think that the uh lgbt uh, groups and the supportive groups in the denominations and religious bodies are um, getting a higher profile mm-hmm. and making a big difference. And you have very proactive out uh, clergy who are getting media and making stands and and uh, doing good work.
0: Well, how can we out here help you accomplish your goals?
2: Well, I think... A really important theme is talking out loud mm-hmm. and get into the media, write letters to the editor, create events that support uh, LGBT people and awareness of concerns. GLAD is very interested in doing media training with faith-based groups, so call us up. Everybody is in a location. And the climate of acceptance can only change if it changes throughout the country. Uh, we have a whole middle America that is ready and waiting for some leadership yeah. to stand up and say, you're not going to be ostracized if you come out as having a daughter who's lesbian or having a son who's gay mm-hmm. or transgender. I just spoke with A mother recently at a church event, and she came up to me, she said, I'm trying, I'm trying to be brave. And her daughter's lesbian, Mm -hmm. and she wants to be more public, but she is afraid that in her small town that she will be ostracized because of her daughter. Yep. So everybody needs to start speaking up, and the leaders who are willing to take some risks need to step up.
0: For more information about GLAAD, you can visit them online at glaad.org. <music> Kathy Rudy, in her book Sex in the Church, wrote, Being tolerant is not enough. The Gospel calls us not simply to put up with each other, but to know each other, find joy in each other, and care for each other's needs. As Christians, we must not be blind to the differences of, for example, race, gender, class, or sexual preference. Rather, we are instructed to learn more about what makes our brothers and sisters different and to build a stronger Christian community based on those differences. I recently received some stickers in the mail that were emblazoned with the words, Teach Tolerance. The stickers featured hands of many colors joined together in solidarity. You know, it's a nice message, but I agree with Rudy. I'm not sure tolerance is enough. Often when we speak up about the practices of the religious right, especially their renewed focus on these ex-gay ministries, we get called intolerant. It's an unfair label, I believe. We've tolerated being second-class citizens in society and non-persons within the church. It's not intolerant to finally put one's foot down when others show intolerance for your mere existence. The ex-gay movement shows the utter intolerance of the religious right. They don't have the drive as Christians to build a community with us. They have no interest in getting to know us. Well, not without trying to change us, anyway. They're not truly interested in our needs as gays and lesbians. And they're not interested in learning about our differences and how a community based on those differences might bring glory and honor to God. Instead, they seek our annihilation by making us ex-gay. But you know what? We're not much better. Instead of trying to understand those who are on the religious right, we act intolerantly toward them. Just like them, we want to annihilate the differences between us instead of recognizing those differences and trying to build a community using our differences as a foundation. We should be trying to build a truly Christian community, not despite our differences, but because of them. Our differences make us stronger and unique, and our community will benefit from that and itself become strong and unique. We need to put aside our talk of tolerance, sin, and salvation and instead talk about the loving power of Christ to reconcile everyone despite any difference. Tolerance is not enough. Genuine Christian caring, hope, and love are what we need to bring together the community that humanity has torn us under. Begin this God cast with a prayer, the beer prayer, to be exact. Our lager, which art in barrels, hallowed be thy drink. Thy will be drunk, I will be drunk, at home as in in the tavern. Give us this day our foamy head, and forgive us our spillages, as we forgive those who spill against us. And lead us not to incarceration, but deliver us from hangovers. For thine is the beer, the bitter, and the lager. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Whosoever Magazine Godcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can tell us your thoughts, comments, or suggestions by writing to us. Our email address is godcast at whosoever.org. Or you can leave comments at our blog at whosoeverpods.blogspot.com. The theme music for our program has been graciously provided by Adam Curley. Other music includes samples from Aaron Starks, Hammond & Swan, and Heavy Mellow. All available from magnatune.com. If you'd like to join the Whosoever community, we have many online groups that you can join for fun and support. You can find Whosoeverans in your area when you join our Rainbow Fish groups. To find out more, go to whosoever.org slash If you're enjoying our podcast, we hope you'll consider making a monetary donation to our ministry. It takes money and time to produce and broadcast this program and, of course, to keep our ministry on the web, where we've been a valuable resource to our community for the past 10 years. You can donate by credit card by going to our website at whosoever.org slash donate. Or you can send checks to Whosoever Ministries, Incorporated, Post Office Box 727, Camden, South Carolina, 29021. Remember, Whosoever is a 501c3 nonprofit. That means all donations are tax deductible. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us again. Until then, may God richly bless you.